Welcome, football fanatics, to a spine-chilling episode. Brace yourselves for a ghoulish ride through haunted stadiums of Match Week 10 in the English Premier League, where the specters of victory and defeat clash in a dance of the undead. We'll be diving into bone-chilling battleground of El Clasico, where the echoes of historic rivalries awaken from their slumber, haunting the pitch with the ghostly presence of football's fiercest foes. And if you dare to stay with us until the witching hour, we'll uncover the shadows cast by the ten scariest players in football. From spine-tingling strikers to spine-crushing defenders, these players will send shivers down your spines and those of the opponents, making the beautiful game a nightmare for those who dare to cross their path. I'm Redbeard. This is Targo. What's up, guys? Or should I say Ted Lasso? Believe. I believe and believe. This is a special Halloween episode of Bruising Banter FC, and it starts right now. Right now. Welcome, welcome all to a special Halloween episode. I would ask you what you're drinking, bud, but it looks like you just drank it. It's squirrel peanut butter whiskey. I had no idea. It was in a ghost. It was in a ghost. It was scary. <laughs> oh, how are you, my friend? Or Ted? How are you, Ted? <laughs> Doing good, doing good. Ready to kick off this episode of Bruise and Banter FC. How are you feeling there, Mr. Oscar the Grouch? I'm a little grumpy. Nah, how can you be grumpy, man? This was a wonderful week of football. We had everything from derbies in Italy, England, Spain. We had El Clasico, the Manchester Derby. Blowouts left and right. Man, it was a good week of football. I'm going to put it out there. I think this might have been my favorite weekend so far of the season. Of this season, yeah. I, I of this season. I tend to agree with you. Yeah. Not to mention, I mean, did you see these get-ups? Come oh, yeah. On. It's I mean. Halloween as well. Yeah. But so, if you think anyways. about it, man, you had the Manchester Derby. You had El Clasico. You had PSV and Ajax. You had Napoli and Milan. I mean... Our beloved Arsenal spanked Sheffield 5 0. Gotta love that. <laughs> Bayern Munich put eight past Darmstadt. And three red cards in that game. And three red cards. Whew. I think it was Frankfurt and Dortmund had a six goal thriller. And Leipzig put up six my themselves. So, with that, Targo. What a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Roman Inter. What are you watching it that? down with? I am washing it down with some Pin Crusher Pineapple Lime Golden Ale. Ooh. Sitting at a tasty 8%. That sounds tasty. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully I don't get it on my mustache here. Welcome to the club, my friend. That's easy drinking, man. Yeah. 
That sounds like easy drinking. It tastes like pineapple juice, but just a hint of spice. A little spicy pineapple juice. Just a little spice. Just a little spice. Nice. Well, I I'm going to go the other direction. My, my, my friend, I got Humble Abode Brewing out of Spokane, Washington's Double Mosaic Smash Double IPA. Double IPA. Double I'm IPA. I'm going to guess a good 10%er, 12%er. 12.5. Ooh. Very excited. Have you had this before? Well, saying how I was tasting it during that question, how do I answer? <laughs> no, before that sip, no. Okay, um, how is it? This might be the smoothest drinking double IPA I've ever tried in my entire life. Ever? Ever. Like, it what? does not taste like a double IPA. Heck, it barely tastes like an IPA. More like... Out of 10, what are you giving it? Oh, 8.5, easy. Maybe even a 9. 8.5. Ooh, um, I'm giving uh, this, this a be, solid... This is going to be a scary good episode. I'm giving this a solid 8. Maybe, like you said, eight. I'll give it an 8.2. 8.2. Okay, I'll go 8.7. Because this is good. It is, it is fruity. Yeah. It says, tropical fruit flavors explode from this potent but crushable golden ale brewed with more than a ton of pineapples. This crisp, refreshing beer finishes with a bright burst of key lime, making it the perfect brew for any occasion. Again, sounds scary good. Not too bad. Not too bad. All right, Targo. But enough with the brews, man. Let's get to some banter. We had match week 10 in the Premier League. First game was on Friday. We had Crystal Palace and Tottenham. Tottenham coming out 2-1 winners. We predicted that, the way they're flying with that Ange ball. I will say, Spurs scored two goals with only one shot on target. I mean, I'm not, I got nothing against Spurs. I, I don't. The way they've been playing. I do have, you know, fundamentally a lot against Tottenham, but I don't know how they won this match. I really don't. Well, they dominated possession, I will say, in this. They didn't create many chances. It was it was kind of that possession without creating much. I mean, the first half, it was nil-nil. Going to the second half, they get into a dangerous area. James Madison puts in a cross, and it's an OG. A little bit unlucky. He puts a cross, and, I, and Joel Ward, I think, puts Joel it Ward. into his own net. Yeah. So unlucky And that was Ward. in the 53rd minute, yeah. And, you know, in that first half, I will say, probably the best chance fell to Crystal Palace. Oh, 100%. And uh, Odson had... Edward had a shot, and Vicario, who's been a fucking stellar goalkeeper so far this season for Spurs, came out with a big save. Kept him Huge in it. Save. Huge save. And I think that was kind of just Spurs's that's the way they've been playing, man. They play, they keep playing, they just kind of keep playing until they wear you down or a mistake gets made, and then they pounce on it. Yeah. And I it's it's definitely a lot of moments of brilliance from James Madison and Hillman Son. Like that's been ninety percent of the reason why they're winning games. But credit to them, they're putting them in positions to where they can do that. And their midfield is oh, 100%. Up play. Not to you mention know, like 
Vicario, man, he might be the most underrated goalkeeper in the Premier League right now. I don't think he's underrated. I think he's he's doing fantastic. I am rating him highly. <laughs> okay. The past at least two, three weeks for I would, sure. I I've would been... put him top five goalkeepers in the Premier League right now. Oh, yeah, 100%. With Arsenal Easy. having two of the top five. <laughs> With Allison being at the top of that top five. <laughs> and Ederson being second, yeah. Which, that's five, so. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Spurs would get their second one after some lovely build-up play between James Madison and Brennan Johnson, who came on as a sub. Johnson crosses it for Son, who gets another one, man. The guy's on fire. Yeah. He's always in the right place at the right time. And, hey, you know, maybe there's a shout to say that Harry Kane leaving was the best thing that could have ever happened to Hillman Son. It's interesting, yeah, seeing him in this striker role. I mean, that's his eighth goal in ten games. Not bad. Not bad at no, all. Not at all. Not at all. And then Jordan Ayew would get one back for uh, Crystal Palace in stoppage time. A little bit of controversy around this one. He chests the ball down, and as it's falling down, it, it looks like it hits his hand. It I does. think it definitely hit 100% his hand. 100% hits his hand. And with the the rule, I mean, the letter of the law states that if the ball hits your hand and leads to a goal-scoring opportunity, it's a handball. There's no way this this should have counted. But VAR had another another howler of a weekend, so we'll get into that. Honestly, we could do a whole segment on VAR mistakes. Oh, 100%. Yeah, just listing them, we could do a whole segment. (laughs) <laughs> Not even talking it, about them. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. So we moved to Saturday, the Saturday early morning game. It was Chelsea against Brentford. This was at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea coming back to earth after that 2-2 draw against Arsenal. They lose 2-0 here to Brentford. <laughs> Brentford getting their second win at Stamford Bridge in the last six months. That is more than Chelsea has at the bridge in the last six months. Scared. <laughs> So what you're saying is Brentford have one more at Stamford Bridge in six months than Chelsea have one. (laughs) Yep, 100%. Oh, this one was, this was an interesting game though, because, so I'm going to compare Chelsea and United a lot, I feel like this, this episode. I I think that's fair at this point. The way they're playing, the results are similar, but the feeling around the teams, completely different. And so that, that's what I'm going to go with is, yeah, they're kind of where they're sitting in the table. You know, Man United, they're sitting in eighth. Chelsea are in 11th. But they're, the results aren't going their way. I mean, they're but only was, three, three points apart. So they're not too dissimilar. Exactly. They're not too dissimilar where they're at in the table and kind of the results that they've been getting. But I will say Chelsea in this first half, they dominated it, man. They had possession. They created chances. Brentford just looked fine, sitting defensively, not really attempting to go forward at all in the first 45 minutes. And it was kind of, you know, same old Chelsea, creating chances, not able to score. Cucurella had a terrible miss, should have scored. He kicks it right at the goalie. Raheem Serling blasts one over the bar. I mean, the, and then we can get to this kind of decision where should Raheem Sterling 
won a penalty kick after a little shove in the back. You don't think so? You don't think it was a foul? I I think the the problem with that one is, yeah, maybe it might have been a foul, but Raheem Sterling does have a reputation of going down very easily. So I think it had to do a lot with his reputation of him going down easy more than the amount of contact that was made. I mean, personally, I th- I think it was a foul. I do. It's a it's a clear kind of push in the back, sending him down. You know, kind of again going with other fouls that occurred in the box this weekend that were called. I think that one should have been fair. Okay. Well, Just, if we're going I mean, by as a whole, I agree. As a whole of the sum of all the parts of missed calls for, I guess, black and white letter of the law, yes. But I think in I, this I think instance, it would have been soft. Don't get me wrong. I, I definitely yeah. think it would have been soft. I think, I think I, in this, I, I, go ahead. It's like I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm 50-50. I'm more like 55-45 on it where, yes, I think it was a PK versus not. Like, I don't think it's a clear... And so I guess that's why VR didn't call it, because it wasn't a clear and obvious mistake. Error by the referee, yeah. But at the same time, I do feel like VR should send the refs to go take another look at it, which is also going to be a theme this episode of the referees not going to the monitor to take a look at these. Which has been a theme all season. And another theme is that they only watch it at the monitor in slow motion. They don't watch it in real time. Like, they should do both. If they're going to take five minutes to look at any situation they should see both the ends of it it shouldn't just be like a fucking three quarters of a millisecond did he make contact or not it should be that and the live version so you can see well the interpretation of the ref was it a clear and obvious error yeah and we'll kind of get back that to that slow motion versus real real speed in uh that newcastle wolves because yeah, there's going to be an incident in that I'm going to want to talk about. And yeah, same and, with same with the was it Fulham and Brighton game and the United and Man City game. So yeah, so so we'll kind of go that that further. But let, we'll start with the goal that was scored by Brentford. So the second <laughs> half rolls around and they they grew into it. And that was, I think that was kind of their plan was to just sit back, wait for Chelsea to get frustrated, tire out, and then slowly grow into the game, try to capitalize on their one or two chances they might have. And yeah, I mean, that they did. That's, that's what Brentford does, right? We've seen it all season. It's a giant chess match for Thomas Frank, and he literally just sends his team out there. Hey, if you can get a goal early, awesome. If not, Bide your time. We'll see where the weaknesses are at halftime. We'll address them, and we'll capitalize on that. That's exactly what happened. And that's what they did. 58th minute, Ethan Pinnock scored the first goal, getting in at the back post on a header. Poor marking. I mean, during right before he scores, you can see Thiago Silva look at, uh, I think it's DeSassi, and point. He points. Mm-hmm. And DeSassi doesn't do anything about it. Cucurella also... Sus- suspect and the li- both, build up both to this of goal. Them watching watching the replay of it, both of them literally just turn their heads and watch, just like, and then oh shit, falls in the net, falling asleep. Yep. And so Brentford go up one nil. Chelsea 
desperate for a goal. They're they're pressing. They had a, a few chances. They hit the post in the first half through Madueke. Starts getting Jackson, towards the end of the game. Terrible again. Yeah, Cole Palmer had a big whiff and at one point. I will say, though, Cole Palmer looked all right creating chances. Yes, but that whiff was comical. It was. But they're trying to they're they're going up. They're trying to get a goal. They bring the goalkeeper out. They get caught. Yeah. They got caught. Neil Malpe runs down and honestly, Sanchez, he catches up to him, man. Man, I didn't Almost know puts I did not know Robert Sanchez. I didn't know he was that fast. Holy cow. He ran He him looks like the fastest down. player on that Chelsea team, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously cuz he was the only one that trekked all the way back. And if it wasn't for his lack of coordination with his feet, I think he would have got there. Yeah, I I do think you're right. He, he almost <laughs> did get there. But Neil Malpe, he slides it over for Brian Mbomo, who puts it away. That was in the, I think, 92nd minute. 90 it was. Was it? Or was it 96? 96. Yeah. 96. So there you go. Put the game away. And there you yeah, are. Yeah, honestly, I think... I think an incident at halftime can pretty much sum up Chelsea's entire season so far. And it was a fan, while Nico Jackson was going down the tunnel, yelled at him, saying, why don't you shoot more often? You would score. And he said back, I'm doing everything that I can, but I can't, I think it's something along the lines of, I can't do anything if I don't get the ball. I disagree with that. He's had chances. Oh, 100%. Like, I, I don't agree with that situation, but the whole yeah. disconnect and miscommunication between even the players and the fans, like, that sums up Chelsea right now. Same with United. Well, the only but. good news for Chelsea is it looks like Christopher Nkunku is back in training. So that is good news for Chelsea yeah, fans. We, Hopefully we he's back out there in the next play the rest of the couple season, weeks. And he's back. What no, is it? we knew it. We knew he'd Three be back this more? season, but it, I thought it would be closer to almost Christmas. Yeah, that I mean, good for him. Like, way to come so, back. Props to Chelsea's physios. There you go. Moving on to another London club. We had Arsenal taking on Sheffield United. This was an easy stroll in the park at the Emirates as Arsenal won 5-0. Dude, they say that there's no such thing as an easy game in the Premier League. That has been said by pundits all around the world. Well, I will (laughs) say, this is no credit to Arsenal. I think Sheffield United are that bad. Because they didn't make Arsenal work for nothing. Not a single thing in this match, even though they made it look more difficult than it needed to be at times. Maybe it's injuries, maybe it's Maybelline, I don't know. Sheffield United are all. So, I'm going to take my mustache off, because that's just annoying. Yeah. You want to do glasses, too? Sure, we'll take the glasses off. So, here's what I'll say. I disagree with you. So, yes, Arsenal won this comfortably. It was almost a perfect scenario for Arsenal. Playing midweek in Sevilla. Seville at Sevilla. They come back, they're playing at home, they get Sheffield United, 
who again have I think I saw it was ten injuries. Yeah. Including their squad striker, Ollie McBurney, did not play in this. And match. so I mean that that's a perfect scenario versus, for example, let's look at Newcastle. Newcastle played at home midweek versus away, but then they had to travel to Wolves. Playing a red hot Wolves team. Playing a red hot Wolves team. So I mean it, I do think there's a little bit of luck with that fixture schedule. It definitely helped Arsenal out with who they played. Again, it helps Sheffield have all these injuries. Because if you remember when Man City played them, that was a very close game. Yes. But that was a healthy yeah. Sheffield United. It was. And so there, there's. I, I do think there's luck as far as injuries, schedule, things like that. But you're, But you're not wrong in that Sheffield never showed up for this game. Well, you got to think, too, when Manchester City played Sheffield United, that was earlier in the season, right? They hadn't lost 9 of 10 games or 8 of 10 games, right? So confidence is already low, and then you have all of these injuries. And I think that if Sheffield United can't get a luck of the draw win or, like, a lucky win somewhere in here, it's just going to compound with the injuries and lack of winning maybe even lack of scoring goals, right? Because they have the least amount of goals scored in the Premier League. They have the most goals against in the Premier League. They look disconnected and disjointed, especially going forward. And, you know, I mean, we all know what Arsenal can do if you give them space and time. And Sheffield United didn't do anything to help themselves in this match. No, no, they didn't. So, so we'll get to it. Started out in Ketia with the first goal. He would end up getting a hat trick in this game. Like first goal, it came in the twenty eighth minute. So they got that first goal. It was one nil at halftime, and then it was just an Arsenal train steamrolling. I will say, <clears throat> Neil Smith Rowe did get the start. All you did of call that one, fame, I believe. Yeah, big old smiles on her faces, and then we saw who was playing in goal. And it slightly went off of our faces. So yeah, David Raya. No, I will say we can kind of leave that subject alone for this week, as he honestly was not tested at all. So no mistakes on that end. Yeah, but Arteta did make a few changes. So you know, some players that he rested from the game in the Champions League on Tuesday was Gabriel Odegaard, Jorginho, Tamayasu. They all sat out. You saw the likes of Havertz coming back in. Smith Rowe came in. Kivior got the start, and Ketia got the start for an injured Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, apparently Martin Odegaard also carrying a knock, so it was good to see him get a rest. He didn't play at all in this match, so. Again, and perfect storm for Arsenal. It was. It was a perfect result. They could rest some players. They played Sheffield, bottom of the table, at home. Made easy, easy work of them. Yeah. Tamayasu got a goal. Fabio Vieira was fouled in the box. Took the PK, scored it. Congrats to Tomiyasu, his first ever Arsenal goal, and you can see how much it meant to him and the rest of the squad as the entire bench cleared and everybody met him in the corner. It was great. But enough about those two goals. Let's talk about the man of the match, the man of the moment, Eddie fucking Nketiah. Where was this performance all of last season? Holy crap. Well, I mean, again, you have to look at context. This is Burn or not Burnley, Sheffield. Yes. Bottom of the table. But all of the goals were very nicely done 
and probably out of all of those, like some strikers would have missed that. Like you give Nico Jackson those three chances, he just has zero goals at the end of the day. So yeah, the first one, Declan Rice plays in a ball, kind of takes a little deflection and gets it to Enketia. He has a, I will admit, a beautiful first touch to get himself away from the defender. It's either a goal a, or a penalty. Yeah, with and that a touch. nice slotted home finish. His second goal, the ball is kind of bouncing around there in the corner after a corner on the box. First time is on right to the roof of the net. And then the third one was just a golasso, man, which if you haven't seen, it's posted on our Instagram, TikTok. Go have a look at it. Links down below. Check it out. And you should be following us on there, honestly, if you're, yeah, if you're you not should. already. You should. And on YouTube. Make sure you're liking this video if you are following us. Comment if you're not, and then let us know why, and then go follow us. <laughs> there you go. And if you did see the goal, oh my goodness, let us know what you thought of it. It was an amazing goal, yeah. Beautiful goal. What a strike. Out of nothing. I I literally jumped off the couch. <laughs> it was one of those like, oh, oh yeah. where's yeah. my... Scared. Yeah. Scared, all, <laughs> scared both my dogs. They jumped off the couch with me. So our next game, this was uh, this was an interesting one at the bottom of the table. A relegation well, six-pointer, as we like to call it. I... Can we, like, upgrade that because of how bad the bottom teams have been this season? Can it be a nine-pointer or a 12-pointer? Pointer? Like, yeah, I understand it counts as two wins, but, like, right now with the way all these teams are playing, it counts as, like, three games. I'm not going to do that. It's a six-pointer. Okay. It's a six-pointer. This was well, Bournemouth. I'm going to say a nine-pointer because that's how massive this win was. So it was Bournemouth against Burnley. Ended 2-1 in favor of Bournemouth. So this is one you got right. I picked Burnley to win this, and I was feeling good. Because Burnley, they struck first. I, I, Honestly, will, they, I will say they, a stat. In the first 15 minutes this season, Burnley has more goals than Arsenal does. One? One. <laughs> there you go. So, But even in this whole first half, Burnley dominated possession, and they took the lead. In the 11th minute, through a sweet volley from Charlie Taylor. Oh, He's their left man. back, I believe. Yeah, what a volley it was, too. I mean, it was by the goalie before he even saw it. It was a rocket. Mm-hmm. But Bournemouth, man, they grew into the match. They got their equalizer in the 22nd. It was kind of a nice solo run from Antoine, uh, what is it, Semenyo? Semenyo. Yeah, it was a bad giveaway in midfield by Burnley. And then Semenyo gets the ball, takes it down the field, wonderful piece of skill, puts it in the back of the net. Do you think Trafford could have done a little bit better on that one? The I think so. goalkeeper? Yeah, I think so. Um, it wasn't like I a th- hard shot, so it, that's what makes me question it. Yeah, and, and you know, we'll talk more about Trafford not having the best of performances and doing better on the second goal, but, you know, I, I think he, he could have done better in a lot of instances in this match. Yeah, because you and then you wanted to talk about a challenge here from the goal scorer yeah. from Burnley, Charlie Taylor. Charlie Taylor completely missed his challenge on Aaron's, right? Like he swings and misses, and then instead of like going back to get the ball, he essentially rugby tackles him on the touchline. He got a yellow, but could it have been a red? He so has, does not play the ball whatsoever, and that is a blatant foul. And he elbows Aaron's in the face in the process. 
So, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And there was kind of almost a similar challenge in El Clasico on Vinny Jr. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the, the Barca player that it was. Yeah, I can't either. <clears throat> but Maybe I'll remember it later. It was a similar where he gets by and just kind of basically gives him a big old hug, drags him down to the ground. I didn't it think was that a yellow was a in hug. that game. For I me, don't it, think was, it was a hug. It was a hug. A it's just you put your arms around him. You're giving him a big old hug, saying, "Wow, you got by me. Good job, buddy." But you're you're not going to continue. It, I think in a classical, <laughs> was it a Rujo that did it on Vinny Junior? It, it might have been. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember who the defender was. But I, I know what one, you're talking about in this one. Yeah. And for me, it's a yellow. It's not a red. Okay. Well, I thought I'd bring it up because, like, we hear this all the time. Oh, it's like the top tier of a yellow card. It's not quite a red. Maybe it's an orange, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I would call it one of those professional fouls where you intentionally bring bring them down. You're not endangering the player, though. It was the elbow for me that endangered the player, but it, w- it wasn't on purpose. It was. I mean, your arms you, are you're, you doing are stuff. You are correct. Anyways, I just thought it was funny. I laughed watching it, nonetheless. So this second goal that Burnley scores in, it's a terrible square ball that Philip Billing just pounces on. I mean, he was, what, 40, 50 yards out, takes uh-huh. it 10 yards, and chips. Chips Trafford. Yeah, who's who standing outside of his... Hand. He standing outside a, of his 18-yard box when his ball is hit. And he gets a hand on it about six. A solid hand. Not, yeah. not 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 fingertips. It looked like a solid hand. It was a solid hand because the ball flights changed and slowed down. I think he could have done better with that. If he punches it, swipes at it, yeah. I think you just swat it, man. Don't try to just hit it with your hand. Hit it. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Well, obviously we saw the worst that's going to happen. But <laughs> if you swat at it and miss, it still goes in. If you swat at it and hit it, it goes out for a corner kick, and you you just made one of the best saves of the season. It was it was a bad one, yeah. I mean, Trafford he has not been having the best performances lately. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets dropped here soon. Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of sums up the entire Burnley squad. So, it, you're not wrong. <laughs> and so, Burnley thought they had an equalizer at the end of this one. Rolling back the years, Mr. Gray-haired Adam Lalana. Jay Rodriguez. Jay Rodriguez. James Rodriguez. That's who it was. Yeah. James Rodriguez. Gray-haired and fleet-footed, man. But he was offsides by essentially the butt on the back of his head. It wasn't actually, but that's about the distance he was offsides. It was like his knee or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, but who I, needed I this win more? I was just going to ask. I had a for you. Or company. <laughs> I was going to ask you the same question. I think Ariel. Iriola needed the win more than company did. I think last season has built him quite a bit of a buffer. And with Bournemouth firing... Company, who you're talking about, right? Has built yeah, him a buffer, got, yeah. Who has a buffer from last season. I think he's got a lot more leeway. But because Bournemouth, Bournemouth fired Gary O'Neill and hired Ariola, is it Iriola? Yeah. Okay. I don't want to say Ariola, so... Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I, I think because he was that higher and they fired Gary O'Neill, seeing what Gary O'Neill's doing, I think he was more under pressure. So this is a very, very big win for him. And it gets Bournemouth out of the relegation spots. 
Yeah, you led me right to it. So Bournemouth, now they sit in 17th place with six points. Luton moves down into that relegation zone on five points. Burnley sitting on four in 19th place. How long can this continue before Burnley starts thinking about a new manager? Again, like I said in a previous episode, I think they give him at least through January. Maybe get some signings in, try to fix some things. But I'll be honest with you, even if they get signings in, I don't think it's going to fix anything because Vincent Company has no plan B. He does the same tactics every match. It does not work in the Premier League when you don't have world-class players on your squad. I'll be curious to see where they're at come March. For example, if they're still sitting, you know, 19th March. I'm going to put it down now. I think they have maybe 12 points max by March. Max 12 points. We'll see. I mean, the, the... my my thing with Burnley is, I like you said, Vincent Company has bought time, and if they give him till January to bring signings in, you have to give him a few games with these new signings to do something. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so that's why I'm I'm curious to see where they're at in March. You know, if they're still sitting nineteen now nineteenth and still only you know, for example, a few points from the relegation. I think they stick with them, but if they're, you know, if you're sitting 19th, 12 points away from safety, time to think about something different. The only thing I will say they have going for them is this new investigate financial fair play investigation into Everton, where before the end of the season, they could possibly get a 12 point reduction. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about that when we talk with Everton. That, that hasn't been official yet. We don't know what's going to happen there. But it's ongoing. Yes. But let's get kind of to a surprise. Well, I guess it was a surprise result for you, not for me, because I had. Let, let's be completely honest about this. It wasn't a surprise result for me. I just thought Newcastle would have enough to nick one. I did not. And I picked this one to be a draw, which it yeah. was. It was Wolves it was. against Newcastle at the Molyneux. Ended 2-2. And could have possibly been a victory a win, for honestly. Yes. Yeah. 100%. So this one ended 2-2. Callum Wilson put Newcastle up in the 22nd after, I mean, it was a terrible mistake by Jose Saw. He comes out to grab the ball, drops it. Right through his hands. Literally. Straight through his hands. No, I would say he gets it, and then as he's falling, he drops it. And then great improvisation from Callum Wilson. It bounce, balls bouncing around, bounces off his head. He has a little acrobatic finish. Over the head, yeah. Overhead kick. Jose Sasha nice. just punched the ball away. Would have been yep. much better. Yep. Wolves would equalize through Mario Lamina, diving header off of a corner kick, basically going over Karen Trippier. Yeah, Poor I mean, defending I, by him, man. I want to call it a diving header, but the sheer fact that he like completely jumped over Kieran, what I think Trippier. it was, Kieran Trippier didn't read the flight of the ball, and he ran past it. Yeah. Well, I, As, I don't even think he was facing the ball, if you watch the replay. But he, he runs past the ball, and so it leaves him in a tough spot. Mark Lamina did not run past the ball. He still had it. work to do, so great finish by him. But yes, 100%. And then just before halftime, 
A penalty was given to Newcastle. Wang Hee Chan fouls Fabian Schar. This one was a rough one. And so I, I, I told you I'd go back to that real time versus slow motion. Yeah. So in real time, this looked like a foul. Yeah, 100%. Because no matter how you looked at it, it looked like he kicked his foot. It it does. It looks like. So basically what happens is Wang Hee Chan has the ball and he goes to clear it. And Fabian Schar just puts a, a foot in right before he goes to clear it. And it looks like Chan catches him. He, but you can see he pulls up. Once you see the replay, they slow it down. If there is contact, it's very minimal. And it honestly looks like Shar is already going down. <laughs> yeah. Well, it pretty much looks like he is lunging in, falling over, if you watch it in slow motion. If you watch it real time, it looks like he got his leg kicked out. Oh, 100%. And so... But, well- yeah, VR does not overrule it. They don't deem this clear and obvious mistake, which has been their get out of free card, so to speak. But my my biggest thing is why not send the referee to the monitor, man? Why not just send him to go take another look, let him see it? Me, please, and rant. Every single fan at Molyneux had the same reaction when he didn't go to the monitor. You heard the ringing of the booze. I was yelling at the TV. I was like, how in God's name did the ref not get sent to the monitor because his mind would have been changed seeing it in slow motion? Oh, it would have been. Mine got changed. I thought it was a penalty, and I saw it, and you could see Huang Hee Chan literally pulls up and stops his foot, and Fabian Shar just luckily gets in the way. Not a penalty. If anything, it's a yellow card to Fabian Shar for flopping. I wouldn't say it was a flop because he I'm does not, have to move his foot. Otherwise, he would have hit Chan. I'm, I'm not saying that it is a yellow card. I'm just saying it's probably closer to a yellow card than it is a penalty, in my opinion. It, it shouldn't have been given. I know you and I both thought that. Again, it was one of those, just send the ref to the fucking monitor. Have him they look took, at it. They took seven and a half minutes to look it at it. It took so long. So, like, no, don't get me wrong. Like, I wouldn't say it was seven minutes. I would say it was at least... It was the whole stoppage time. So there was like two minutes of stoppage time. It It was a long time. Yes. It was at least two minutes for sure. Like not exaggerating. It was a solid two minutes. They're looking at this. Yeah. Because I mean, they showed it from at least three or four different angles and you're watching it and you're trying to, I mean, you're trying to see does his, does Chan's foot make contact with Char's foot? If it does, oh, it's slight, minimal at best. There wasn't a real definitive for me at least viewing where it's like ah, did he touch him did he not it looked like there could have been slight just slight not but enough for a penalty not enough for a penalty no. but cal Wilson, man he would step up take the penalty score it albeit jose saw also gets a hand to it it was he one of those he goes kept it out he did he almost kept it out hit the wrong side of his hand rolls into the back of the net so yeah, Cal Wilson kind of goes down the middle as Jose Saw is diving past it, sticks up that hand, gets a hand to it, but not enough. Goes in. But that Korean guy, man, he would make up for that PK air quote giveaway. Ooh, what, what a goal this was, too. So this was this was honestly probably one of my favorite goals of the weekend, just oh, all around. So it starts out all with around. that defender, Tati. He's got like two or three players around him and he just burns them all. 
burns them all, plays a lovely ball to Chan, who then sits Lewis Dunk, man. Sits him. Lewis? Not Lewis Dunk, sorry. Um, The other tall... Danburn. What's that left back? Danburn. Danburn. That's who it is. I was like, Danburn. wait, wrong team, man. Wrong team. Wrong team, my bad. Other tall, other tall very similar, <laughs> yes. But yeah, he sits Danburn down. Like, down. Down. And then like, as cool as you like, as slow as can be, just places it right in the near post. Almost Messi-esque. Korean Messi, anybody? I'm sure <laughs> that, I'm sure that has been made at least once. Korean Messi, I love it. But I mean it was it was a beauty that it goal. Was, that was yeah. like I said, that was one of my favorites. And what a player Huang He Chan is. Like he's oh, on yeah. a team that, let's be honest, on paper, except for going forward, does not look very good. Not on right Gary O'Neill. I say that first before I say anything else because of how well he's coached this team. But man what a player he is to stay on the bench. And then every time he comes in, he has goal involvement and then to start and then just keep, just keep doing it. Leading score for wolves, six goals for him. Six goals. This season. And man, what a player he is and what a gem wolves have found. Worrying signs though for wolves as they're, I mean, I'll, I'll call him their best player. player. Pedro Neto. He's leading, he's leading the league in assists. Pedro Neto. With, with six. Yep. Seven. Neto. seven. Now seven. Okay. Yeah. Pulls up with looks like a looks like a bad hammy yeah. injury. Like he he hopped and then fell like twenty yards. That looked like like a straight pull. Like he's going to be out a long time. Had to be stretchered off afterwards as well. It's going to be weeks. Yeah, possibly months. We'll see. Hopefully not. Hopefully they can get him back sooner rather than later because he is influential for Wolves and what they do. I will say, though, man, this was a fun game to watch. Oh, yeah. Very ebb and flow. Very back and forth. Newcastle probably had the skill to make this a match that they could have won. But the tenacity and the just sheer effort of Wolves, man. They deserve to get the three points out of this one. I don't. A draw doesn't do them justice. I do feel like a draw was was justified. I think that PK call was harsh. You're not wrong. It's just how well Wolves played in this match. I, I think that they deserve more than one point. I'm not, I don't want to take away from Wolves, but I do think Newcastle playing midweek against a Borussia Dortmund team had something to do with it. No, 100%. I, I'm Which, not... Not discounting that at all. I'm saying Which in this match, you so. and I kind of suspected Newcastle being in Champions League. This would happen. It's tough. You can't put out your best squad every game when you're playing in Europe. They have a Carabao Cup game coming up against Man United. Well, especially they're in the group of death. They are. They're in they a tough group. In a perfect atmosphere with a team playing awful tactics against them, and PSG pretty much gave the game to them. No disrespect to Newcastle, because they performed very well in that match. But playing a Dortmund squad that just essentially bided their time and then countered on them, they had to put a lot of effort in that match. So They did. Yeah, I'm sure there were some tired legs on that pitch. Moving on, we got the first game that was on Sunday. This was West Ham against Everton. 
Good old Everton coming out 1-0 winners. Three Getting points, all man. three points, man. Massive for them. You and I did not predict this. <laughs> I don't think anybody predicted this. Not even <laughs> Everton fans. Away from okay. home as well. Away from home, you know, we'll talk about their, they could potentially be facing a 12-point deduction for losses that they've faced over, what is it, the past three years? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we can talk about it now or later. That's up to you. So let's but, just talk about a little bit okay, now. So the financial fair play, the rule is, you, as a club, you cannot take over $100 million in losses over a three-year time span, right? Well, their reports... As financial reports over the last three years came out, and they have lost three hundred and four million over the last three years, which is two hundred more than the allotted amount. So, pretty easy. And the Premier League has recommended to an independent panel that they get a twelve point reduction. You hate to see it because that would that would really hurt Everton. I mean, I'll, they're sitting. I'll be honest on- with you. If it's going to happen, this would be the season because the teams below them are that bad that they could easily get back up. I mean, they're only two points off 12. Sheffield United has one. They only need to win like three games and they're back out of the uh, relegation zone. So if there is a season to do it, this would be the one. But you hate to see it. You, You hate to see it. They are sitting on 10 points. In 15th place, if they got a 12-point deduction, that'd put them at negative two points, basically. Only three points off of 19th place, that would be 19th place Sheffield United. Who have one point. So, it'd be 19th place Burnley at four points. Well, because they'd be at negative two, Burnley would go up to 18th. Yes, and so they would have to catch Burnley. Yes. To get out of relegation. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying how bad the bottom of the table is right it is the bad of the the bottom of the table is bad you got sheffield with one point burnley with four luton with five foreman with six and then there's a bit of a gap to nine and forest at 10 and everton yeah but it it would be terrible but they got all three points here um you know west ham they did dominate possession in this match just kind of poor finishing jared bowen was very disappointing in this Jared, game, not his best Jared game. Jared Bowen had four or five chances in this match that if you had showed them to me without me knowing the result of the outcome of what had happened, where he got the ball, I would have said not, probably about six out of ten times that he would have scored. It, it was a day to forget for Jared Bowen, let's just put it that way. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin, man, gets the winner. Beautiful turn, finish, Ooh, he bottom had corner, no- and... He had no right scoring that. He's surrounded by five defenders with a Johan Cruyff turn. It wasn't a Cruyff turn. It was just a nice turn. It was a watch, ball to the a quick ball to the side that watch, he turned. Watch the replay. It was not a Cruyff turn. It. I had to watch it three times. It was not watch a Cruyff turn. It was. Watch the replay. You need to go look to see what a Cruyff turn is then, bud. Okay. Either way, fantastic finish finish for Dominic Dominic Calvert Lewin. Both goalies played well in this game. Ariola, Pickford come up with big saves. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Pickford yet again saving Everton. I, how many times is it gonna happen? Every game. It's gonna happen every game with the way Everton plays. <laughs> but it's a massive win for Everton, especially with their chairman, Bill Kenwright, passing away midweek. 
did him the honors getting the three points. Yeah, and Calvert-Lewin dedicated his goal to him as well. So class move all around by Everton, and you know what? They deserved it. Moving on to our next game, we had Brighton against Fulham. Oh, This oh. one was an interesting game. We, oh. we both picked Brighton to win. This one ended in a draw, 1-1. Yes. And so we'll start with uh, the VAR call. Yeah. João Polinha would find himself in some controversy here in the 21st minute. I don't even want to call it a tackle, man. This was, I guess it was a tackle, but it was... It was an elbow to the face. Let's, let's elbow, be forearm, what whatever you want to call it. To the face. VAR, it wasn't even a foul called on the field, first off. Yeah, VAR took it, a look at it, said, that's nah, fine. Not a clear Rough and obvious error, it. apparently. Again, this is that, they're get out of jail free. It was not a clear and obvious error. It was on Pascal Gross, and you could see even a couple minutes, like the ball will go out of bounds, and Pascal Gross is arguing with the referee. Like, how how is this not being looked at? Right? He got smacked, man. I don't know how the ref didn't get sent to the monitor. Yet again, another again, If the ref it. goes to the monitor, can make a better informed decision, mm-hmm. at least. At the very minimum, he's allowed to call it back, give a yellow card and a foul. At the very minimum. Because it was right on the edge. Of the box. It was a red card, man. This should have been a red. 100% a red card. 100%. This was this was a thrown... It was a thrown elbow. Like, it wasn't oh. just like you put your arms up to protect yourself. It was... You see the elbow move yeah, towards this him. This is a... Watch it in slow motion and in live. It looks exactly the same. Exactly the same. Like, this is 100% blatant. 100% violent conduct. And 100% a red card. And this decision would come back to haunt Brighton. Because, again, they, they get the first goal in the 26th minute. Beautiful finish by uh, your boy, Ferguson, young 19-year-old Irishman. What Lovely left-footed finish, man. It looks And, honestly, they dominated this game, oh, Brighton. It, it should have been 4-5-0 at half. But, apparently, just that one time, Brighton could finish. And it would come back to bite him as that player who put in that through that elbow would get the goal, Jalpalinha. Oh, oh man, and what a rocket of a goal it was. It I was swear, I swear he didn't even look up. He just collected the ball and hit it. And it went top bins. Yeah, it was one of those where Brighton, you know, they're gonna play the Brighton way. They lose possession in their own half after some nice pressing, but you know, by Alex Awobi fields feeds Wilson who picks out Paulinha who just sends a rocket into the top corner in the 65th last week I was giving praise to Lewis Dunk I'm gonna give him a little bit of criticism he did not get out very quick to press Paulinha no No. and gave him enough time to collect himself and hit that shot I will give him a little bit of credit I did see him hit a free kick hop the crossbar man I a knuckler yeah when he stepped up to take it, I was like, oh, God, this is going to go all wrong. And he guys looked like prime part. Cristiano Ronaldo yeah. with that free kick. Yeah. So I'll give him that much credit. But other than that, yeah. he He's very much at fault for the shot that got, got off, at least not putting pressure on it. So. And Brayton had their chances. They just weren't clinical. But I want to pose a question to you, because Ansu Fati came on as a sub in this game. 
looked lively. Do you think he should be starting for Brighton? 100%. The amount, like, his performances coming off the bench and starting, especially in Europe, as he scored again midweek. He has been on fire, and I'm sorry to Soli Marsh, but he's playing better than Soli Marsh is right now. Well, Soli Marsh is injured, so. Okay, well, even more. Yes, he should be starting, 100%. All right, well, moving on to another free-flow attacking team. We have Aston Villa against Luton. We both knew this game was going to be one way and one way only. (laughs) As Aston Villa would win 3-1. They're scoring goals for fun right now. They're the highest, tied for the highest scoring team in the Premier League with Newcastle. But they've scored three goals in three straight matches in the Premier League. Like and honestly, this game should have been more. Oh, Villa could have had five, six in this one. Easy. They they got the scoring started in the seventeenth minute. John again off of a. I will say this was a lovely worked free kick. One hundred percent. Like and it was more from like almost the corner too. It was. Douglas, it was just Douglas inside Lee playing it across. You get a dummy goes all the way to the far post to McGinn and. What seems like time slowing down. Lovely finish into the far post. Great finish. I was again, like I said, man, you can see the work they're doing on the training ground, training ground on those free kicks because mm-hmm. it's paying off. But it was only one nil at the half. Again, they could have had more. <laughs> they doubled their lead though after uh, just after halftime. Musa Diaby kind of gets on the end of a ball. It was like a cross into the box. Ball kind of falls down. Musa Diaby, first time finish on the half folly. Right to the bottom corner. 2-0, they were cruising. And they would make it a 3. After It was a lovely ball over the top to Musa Diaby, who then tries to cross it into the middle. And Tom Locklear would put it into his own net. I'll be honest with you, watching this live, I didn't know who hit it into the net. I just saw the ball go into the net. As there were there was like a couple defenders, defenders right there. there. Yeah. yeah, and then right behind him was Ollie Watkins. Yeah, so I, I think no matter what, this ball probably goes into the back of the net. It's just unlikely from Locklear. So. I, I'm i going to criticize Locklear a little bit. I do feel like he could have done better because he, he has a swing at the ball. Yeah, with the wrong foot, might I add you. I don't think it was the wrong foot. He just hit it terribly <laughs> he hit it in the wrong spot of the ball that's where it was okay wrong part Either of his way, foot ball went in the net it did it did luton would get one back a little bit later this was this in the 86 minute one of the funniest goals i've ever seen it, it was an interesting one so it was a cross in for that luton forward and consa the yeah. uh the defender, yeah. The defender for Villa tries to, it looks like, head it back to Emmy Martinez. Yeah, like back or over the goal, either way. But it hits a crossbar. And then it hits Emmy Martinez in the back of the head while he's trying to dive back for it. Yeah. <laughs> the back of the net. Like, you can't make this up. It was a weird one, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go check out just oh, the un- my goodness. unlucky series of events that led to that. Cool. Oh man. But I mean this one it it was all Villa deserved winners. 
Unai Emery is doing fantastic. Villa, dude, they're sitting in fifth place, 22 points. Looking dude, good. Five points ahead of Newcastle. Five. They're looking good. Yeah. And right ahead of them is Liverpool. Liverpool is only uh, a point ahead. And Liverpool, they played Nottingham Forest this weekend. And they came out comfortable, 3 0 winners. Yeah, they dominated this match, man. It was. It's. It was a dominating performance. A little bit marred by the fact that winger Luis Diaz, his parents were kidnapped in his home country of Colombia. Apparently, they have found his mother. But at the time of this recording, have not yeah. found his father yet. Mm-hmm. So he's back dealing with those issues. So Darwin Nunez got the start. But it would be Jota that would put them up in the 31st minute. Oh, you mean the man keeping Darwin Nunez out of the starting lineup? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> that little Portuguese striker. <laughs> so yeah, Darwin Nunez had a shot, parried. Jota puts it away. I mean, Liverpool, they caught Forrest on a counter here. Center back for Forrest, Murillo. Tried to, like, dribble out, got caught, three on two. Yeah. Yeah. Classy move by uh, Jota, brought out a Luis Diaz jersey, showing that they're thinking of him and his issues. I always love seeing that, man. It's such a classy move. Same, same. Liverpool make it two as Darwin Nunez, the Uruguayan international, and make it 2 nil. After Zapotzalai played across, he fired across first off. Yeah, fired across. And Tarunini has got just something on it. Beautiful ball, though, for Mosala to Zapotzalai to play yeah. him in. And then, I don't know what Matt Turner was thinking here, bud. Zapotzalai, oh. like, tries to play a ball up to Mosala. Just a long clearance it, ball like- up top. Like, hope and a prayer, just hit it as hard as you can, as far as you can. Yeah, and the defender and Matt Turner just miscommunication. I don't know. That's the only way I can explain it. Yeah, that's the only way I can, especially with the reactions of the two of them. But essentially, they both miss the ball. And And it falls just like, oh, well, this is the easiest goal I've ever scored. So, (laughs) three now. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. That that was that was it. Terrible mistake from Matt Turner, defender. I don't know. They both are like, what are you doing? Honestly, I think Matt Turner staying in the goal probably would have been a better scenario. 100%. Yeah. But Dominic Sabotzalai, two assists in this game? Looking Dude, like... I think, I think he's becoming one of the best midfielders in the Premier League, man. Like, he is on fire, but commanding on fire. So every time he gets the ball, you think he's going to do something. Yeah, so you guys should be listening to our, or listening and subscribing, following, whatever, on our Instagram, TikTok, because I'm actually putting out a video on Dominic Sobotzalai here tomorrow. So make sure you're staying tuned for that. Early heads up. But I will say, this was, this was an easy game for Liverpool, if I'm being honest. They thrashed him. I mean, Forrest, they had one shot on target. It was the last kick of the game. Was that one shot on target? Yeah. I mean, how much do Forrest miss? I don't. It's not. I want ye. I want (laughs) ye. 
Yes, he's, I almost he, said Owen Lee. he was on the bench, so at least he's, he's finally coming back. back from injury. Yeah, yeah. he's but, on the bench. Like, I expected so much more out of Forrest in this match. At least like an effort. They Liverpool hit the crossbar earlier. Controlled this match. Controlled. But yeah, this was. I will Never say Liverpool got. are playing really well right now. They're I think scary. they they will be title contenders. Oh, 100%. I think they will keep this up till the end of the season, barring significant yeah. injuries. I think the one, the one that could kill their hopes, maybe two, is if Mo Salah gets injured, which he tends to not. But if Dominic Sabotsoy gets injured, I, I think they're going to be in a world of hurt. I think they'll be all right without Sabotsoy because they got Curtis Jones, they got Harvey Elliott. McAllister, Kevin Birch, they can, they can. Uh, I saw Gogpo came back for this game, so they can bring oh. him back in that midfield. But you're right, Mo Salah. I mean, that's an unreplaceable player. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, let's move on to the big game, man. It was the 191st edition of the Manchester Derby. We had Manchester United, Man City playing at Old Trafford. This one, it ended 3-0 for Man City. And that's, that's what, four out of five wins for City? And they're not close? United got one win, I think it was last season? They got one Old win Trafford. last season, yep, at Old Trafford. This is not a derby anymore of late. <laughs> like this, is, this is like the Manchester mismatch. This is not Manchester, it's not Manchester derby. <laughs> like, this... This game wasn't even close. It probably could have been 6-0. Oh, yeah. United were that... I'm not saying City were that good. I'm saying United were that bad. So let's start with the lineup here. Eric Ten Hag, I feel like, went with a very interesting lineup here for Manchester United. So Johnny Evans, Harry Maguire were in the center of that defense with Victor Mm -hmm. Lindelof on the left. He had Rafael Varane. And the left back, Regulon, sitting on the bench. Do you think Varane starting with Lindelof as center back and Regulon starting as left back, does that make any kind of difference in this game? To be honest, with the history of what I've seen from Regulon, I would have probably kept Lindelof. Okay. Um, And I assume, and I probably shouldn't assume, uh, that Ten Hag is looking at the chemistry between Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire rather than Rafael Varane coming in and not having that chemistry. I mean, your defense is so bad, you think you would go with two people that can actually count on each other and know where they're going to be. That's the only thing I can think of, but you got a point. Rafael Varane is a world-class player and probably shouldn't be on the bench for a match this big. I mean, he's got how many Champions Leagues, a World Cup? Just saying. Just saying. When asked about it, Eric Ten Hag just said tactics. Hmm. It was tactics. Hmm. Hmm. His we'll tactics failed this other, game. Some of his other quotes. So later. he didn't. He didn't start Anthony, which I'm, I know you're a fan of. <laughs> he didn't start Mason Mount. Again, I I would probably agree with those decisions, but mm-hmm. they did come on late. Which again we'll get into. I thought we'll it was the... odd that he started Amrabat and Erickson with Bruno. Erickson was an interesting one. Yeah. Erickson was. Yeah, uh, that was more interesting than not starting Mount 
or Anthony in this match. Well, after a cagey kind of 20 minutes, both teams having a few chances, which I will say the first opening minutes were probably United's best minutes. United would concede a penalty on the 25th minute after Hoyland held back Rodri off of a free kick. This one went to VAR. VAR told the ref to go to the monitor and look at it. So they sent the ref to the monitor to look at it. Is this a foul for you? No. I mean, maybe. But there is literally, if you watch it in real time, there's four other players doing the exact same thing to each other. On both Here, here's sides. Here's what I'll say. The only let, person let that went for the ground for was Roderick. Let me interrupt for a second. Yeah. Is it a foul? Yes. Does this happen every game multiple times in the box? Yes. yes. And fouls are not given. Mm-hmm. It was one of those, you see them called maybe on outside the box, inside the box, you see all the players kind of doing it. Usually it's called the other direction. And so it was one of those, yeah, Hoyland holds back Rodri. I guess they said because he could have made a play on the ball. What The ball was 20 feet over his head. There's yeah, no I don't think way it was that far. It wasn't that, that far. Ball. Hoyland is not even looking at him. He just puts his arm out and catches Rodri. It is not I, a penalty whatsoever. I don't care who you are. I'm sorry. Why does Manchester City keep getting these soft penalties all the time? All the time. So fun fact that I, I they said it during the game. I can't remember the exact year, but that was like Man or Man City's first penalty at Old Trafford for like forty years or something like that. Okay, I'm saying in the Premier League as a whole, City seem to get more soft penalties than any other team. But the reason they're giving PGMOL is yeah. why it was given. It was because Rodri could have made a play on the ball. Because later in the game, there's a similar instance where Holland tried to make a run into a box, and McGuire's just bear-hugging him, not letting him run. Holland falls down, the ball gets played to the middle. VR said, nope, he couldn't have made a play on the ball. A foul's a foul, I guess is, is my question. Like, isn't a foul a foul? doesn't matter where it's at. Well, so if it's why... a bear-hug and you go down, yes, that's a foul. So that, that, that was an interesting one for me. This is, again, consistency, man. I preach about it all the time. Like, stick stick to it. Yeah. If stopping a player from making a run's a foul, okay. Well, then call it the next time it happens, and maybe we'll get rid of it in the game. Yeah, I, the biggest part for me is the reasoning, yes, is he could have made a play on the ball. But if you watch that, there is no way in hell, unless he can jump like Michael Jordan or Cristiano Ronaldo, that he even comes close to getting ahead on that ball. Oh, hell yeah, Rodri can jump like that. So he's definitely getting to that ball. <laughs> <laughs> Logic of the PGMOL. Yeah. Rodri's definitely getting there. Duh. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah. But Holland, the PK was given. Holland steps up, takes it. I will say, Onana had some fantastic saves in that first half. Beautiful save Champions, off of a header from Holland. That Champions League game midweek, I feel like it has spurred something in him because he has been on. He was on fire. Like this game could have been seven eight nil if it wasn't for his acrobatics and goal. He was fantastic today. He was either fantastic or Holland was wasteful. It's probably a bit uh, of both. 
don't probably, know. but sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. <laughs> Holland would make it to just into the second half. It was pretty much a deja vu for that fantastic save one on I had, except this mm-hmm. time it went in. Holland at the back post, lovely chip from Bernardo Silva. Can't easy give that guy two easy chances. Easy as you man. like. Easy as you like. Yeah, and then the third goal would come after a uh, well-parried Rodri shot. Phil to Holland, and he would pass the ball across for Phil Foden for him just to give it a little tap a little tap a into the back in. of the net. Tap, tap, tap it in. I will say United probably had a couple chances. I remember one in second or first half, Scott McTominay forced a good save out of off of Ederson. Rashford got in behind once. Could have done better. Uh, that, Hoyland, that's all that I can think of. Hoyland, Hoyland got in did, behind once and had a kind of a bad touch. Yeah. But he did that, all that himself. Like That was not team play at all. So I know there's a moment you want to talk about with your favorite player. Oh, yeah. Jeremy Doku? <laughs> yep. Oh, the, your other favorite player. Yeah, I know. But it was really Jeremy Doku who essentially shook Anthony out his boots. And he Anthony, did what Anthony tries to do. <laughs> yeah, but he did it to him. And then Anthony literally just runs over to him and swings his foot at him. A straight-up hack. Straight-up straight up hack. Yeah, like, you, if you're watching it live, you just see the frustration. Like, if this was a cartoon, you would have seen everything boil up to the top, the steam come out his ears, and then he just <laughs> went over and kicked him. He's like, come on, what are you, like, seven, five years old? Come on, man. Yeah. Sums him up as a player. I know you have a little bit of a rant you want to go on, so I'll let you do that. Uh, About the game? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. City dominated this match. But pretty much everything for Manchester United was poor. Like, it was poor. Before I go into a negative rant, I got to give some positives out, right? Bernardo Silva, man of the match performance. Holland had two goals and an assist. Bernardo Silva still got the man of the match award. That's how good he was. He looked like himself mixed with Kevin De Bruyne in this match, just spraying balls everywhere. And then Gvardiol, man, he makes defending. He's like William Saliba. These two just make defending look like they're like half asleep. It's like effortless. But, I mean, let's start with the fans. The City fans were louder than the Manchester United fans at Old Trafford. I could hear the City fans the whole match. I barely ever heard the United fans. What did United fans have to cheer about? But this is City we're talking about. Just saying, what did United fans have to cheer about, man? They City all the time gets like, smacked around by comments about how terrible their fan base is. But they were still louder than the Manchester United fans. How well, do you expect of you, man. to come I back? know you always shit on City fans, and here you are giving them praise for being loud at Old Trafford. So I got credit where credit is due, but I also got a shit on United fans. Who says we're biased? Not me. Yeah, right? I, I'll get credit where credit is due. But then United looked uninspired and awful. Like, watching them off the ball is like a disjointed person. Like, if your joints don't attach, you just kind of sit there. You're disjointed, one would say. (laughs) Right? 
There was no movement off the ball. Even the simple passes were behind players. They couldn't do anything. The players yelled at one another. You see Bruno all over the field. He's yelling back and forth with people. And then who should be captain of Manchester United? Because we obviously, I think we both agree it shouldn't be Bruno. Honestly, I don't know. Because this whole team sucks right now. No one's taking ownership of anything. So, you know, give it back to Harry Maguire. He's been playing good for four games straight. I was thinking Christian Eriksen, maybe. Maybe. Maybe Casemiro. But, I mean, rumors are that he's doesn't he's like to get out of there, anyway. man. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start the bandwagon for uh, Marcus Rashford getting benched. Ooh. Starting it now. He's been absolutely awful this season. I know you you said he's streaky, but piss him off, man. Bench him. You know who has more goals than Marcus Rashford? Mihailo Mudrik. You read my mind. Damn. Yeah. Get out of my head. Yeah. There's a lot of players. Kai Havertz has more the same amount of goals and more goal involvements than Marcus Rashford. Just saying. He's been awful this season. He had one chance. It was pretty, I wouldn't say it was easy. It was pretty difficult. And he just put it wide, didn't even put it on target. But that was it. Like, other yeah, than that, it was against, if you he had, like, Kyle Walker would, on him, and he kind of delayed his volley. And yeah, I remember that one. If you would have told me he was playing in this match before that, I wouldn't have believed you. But I will say the bright spots for United in this one Christian Erickson was good. I mean, when does he ever play bad, to be honest? Harry Maguire, stud right now. He's consistent. He's not making mistakes. And then Onana, I mean, I can't say enough about how much he saved United from complete embarrassment in this match. I think we need to have a separate podcast where we just talk about (laughs) United, because I think we could go for another 20 minutes on that. Probably. But, you know, just to make sure we don't, I'll turn the tables. Is it a player problem or is it a Ten Hog problem at United right now? I think it could be turning into a Ten Hog problem. Is he the right man for the job? Those are questions for a different time, man, where we have time to talk about it. <laughs> Fair. Fair. I just, I'll say this really quick. I mean, they got a worse goal difference than Everton. They're sitting eighth. They've, I mean, he spent £334.6 million. His own players, the excuses can't really stop because he's 3% better win percentage than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I'll stop. For time's sake. Because, yeah, there's another game we got to move on to that we'll probably make another 15 minutes to talk about. That's El Clasico, man. We had Real Madrid and Barcelona playing. This was a big one. We oh, have to shoot. cover this one. El Massive. Clasico, this is one of my favorite rivalries. The 255th edition of El Clasico. This one, it ended 2-1 to Real Madrid. Who picked Real Madrid to win? And you to did. win this week in picks? You did. It was this game right here. Nice. Thank Frost. you, Jude Billingham. Yeah. I think it's interesting to see Jao Cancelo starting out on the right. It was. So, yeah, he started out in the right wing with Ferran Torres and João Felix up top. You had Gundogan, Pedro, or not Pedri, Gavi, and Fermin Lopez in that midfield. Bade, Christensen, Martinez, and Jules Kunde in defense. 
I'm glad Fermin Lopez got the start. Gavi, honestly. Between the two of them, man. Would have been a man of the match performance if not for the last 20 minutes. I I would even say if it wasn't for some sheer individual brilliance. There you go. There you go. Because, I mean, Barca, man, they got up early. Ilkay Gundogan got up in the sixth minute, scores. It was a weird ball that kind of bounced. Like, three Madrid defenders were looking at it saying, you get it. You get it. Yeah. And then nah, he just got it. I don't think I've ever seen him run that fast, but good and for him. Was like, all no, three. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Took a little Big bit of a player, lucky man. bounce. He's now scored in El Clasico, Der Classiker, and the Manchester Derby. So. He did get a little bit of a lucky bounce. David Alaba yeah. went to go slide tackle, kind of kicked it off his shins, and it fell right back into his path. But honestly, Barca, this was, they played so well for the first 60 minutes. I mean, I'll pretty much say the turning point in this match, because otherwise, I think Barca probably would have won 1-0 again, and it was when Camavinga and Modric. Um, Luka Modric came in. So yeah, Camavinga came on for Ferland Mendy, Modric came on for Tony Kroos, and it did, so Kema, I will say Camavinga especially, especially Camavinga on that left side, man, he he definitely made a difference. head, man. And it took, I mean, again, you guys should be following us on our social media as we talk about this goal. It is a wonder goal. It was a bullet from Jude Bellingham. It's a Jude Bellingham goal. Do it you was expect a, anything less at this point? Not at this at this point, man. Like, I'm waiting <laughs> for this fairy tale to end or turn dark. It's not. He gets that no. first goal. Golazo. Oh, my damn. Damn. It was. Chef's kiss. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, back to goal, turns around, two touches, 20 yards out, top corner. Blasts it. Yeah. A rocket, bullet, whatever you want to call it, it from the deep. it looks so effortless for how hard he hit it, too. Nuts. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was nothing Ter Stegen. It was by Ter Stegen before he can even react. At at this point, I think think Real Madrid should just play him as striker. (laughs) Because <laughs> his finishing is just as good. So, in all competitions, 13 goals in 13 games. And three assists. So, 16 goal involvements in 13 games. So, just to put that into some perspective, Zinedine, Zinedine Zidane's best season at Real Madrid was 13 goals. Jude Bellingham has tied that in October. Yeah. After, what, 11 games in the league? Or is it 13 at this point? It's 10. It's 10 games in, 10. The, in the league. Okay. Yeah. And then three Champions League matches. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. And Jude Bellingham would get the winner, man. Classic. Stoppage time, 92nd minute. A cross goes in. I think it was it was definitely meant for Modric. Yeah. Tries to get a touch on it. Joseph and it kind of, it kind of bounces. takes a touch. No, it was Modric. It was, was Modric. It? It was Modric who takes the touch and it okay. bounces over Andreas Christensen and falls to Bellingham and he, he gets something on it. That, I mean, that's the most you can ask for in that kind of weird position and off of a deflection, you're just trying to get something on the ball towards goal. He does. Towards goal, yeah. Goes through Ter Stegen's legs. 90, like I said, 92nd minute. Like I that's said, it. just play him as a striker, man. He's already in those positions. Just Just let him play there. Like you said, man, positions. He's getting in those dangerous positions, getting in the box. Is it luck? Is it skill? No, he's the only one. 
the it's only a little one bit of Real Madrid taking the It's initiative. a little bit of both, yeah. It yeah. is a little bit of both. I mean, obviously, it takes a lucky deflection for him, but he's he's making that run. He's there, yeah. You got to be there to finish it. I think one of the differences for me in this game was Real Madrid. They brought on the likes of Joselu, Luka Modric, Camavinga, you know, a little bit of experience, whereas Barcelona brought on Oriel Romeu, who obviously I don't think is up to that class, Lamine Yamal, Rafinha, who I have very, very many criticisms of. Me too. And so that's where I think the edge goes to Real Madrid. I mean, in this game, like we had mentioned before, there's some Vinny Jr., man. I want to talk about Vinny Jr. in this game. I think he played fucking awful. I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, I mean, that nine times out of ten. was terrible. Nine terrible. times out of ten, he is the most entertaining player to watch in the world. But the the tenth time, which is this one, holy crap, was he bad. He complained about everything. Every time he got Everything. Cut, everything. Yeah, it, and then it was he even bad. Got on a bust up with Xavi. And Xavi's just saying, dude, shut up. It was yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's pretty much what it was like, dude, get up. That wasn't a foul. Yeah. And yeah, Vinny Jr. just kind of crying about it. I didn't I didn't like to see it because I do like watching him play, but But Barcelona, they had their injury woes. No Pedri, no De Young, no Sergio Roberto. Lewandowski, Rafinha were on the bench, came on. Didn't do anything, if I'm being honest. Lewandowski had one chance. Came close, but that was it. And I mean, I, yeah, I'll be honest. Barcelona probably were the better team in this, and it was a couple strokes of individual brilliance and some luck. Real Madrid get the win. Yeah, I, I was. I would say Barca were the better team for a majority yeah. of the game. Controlled it. Like I was wondering, like because, like I said, I had picked Real Madrid to win this game, and I didn't feel confident going into that at halftime, the way Barcelona were playing, but. That moment of brilliance by Bellingham, all of a sudden momentum changes, and I will say this was kind of a story of Real Madrid capitalizing on their opportunities, and Barca did not. Yep, and that's why you got to build up on a one nil lead. Plain and simple. But yeah, Jude Bellingham, kind of the star of the show, man, making the Liga look easy. Making it look easy, and you know, what do you guys think? Is he the best player in the world right now? Let us yes, know. Definitely down in the has comment. a shout out for that Ballon d'Or. I will tell you that. So Let far, so far, comment. it's very Let early, but so far. All right, moving on. I know you guys have been with us for a long time, but we got to get to the spooky stuff. This is a Halloween special, so the top ten scariest players in football. Beware. For these footballing phantoms are ready to unleash their supernatural talents on the pitch, leaving a trail of fear in their wake. Targo, you want to just go with top five? I'm going to go my top ten, and then I'll let you do, do your top ten, okay? Okay. Let's just do that. Uh, let me give you All mine right. real quick. And no, Roy Kent is not on, the, on it. <laughs> <laughs> Should be. Should be. Whistle. So my number ten. Wizzo, he's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. Where can't Roy can't? So my number ten is Yapstam. You might remember this defender, and so I'm gonna be honest. I don't really remember watching him play very much. I just remember this motherfucker was scary looking. Yeah. 
scary Dutch defender, big, the bald head. I appreciate sure the goatee. Pale. Yep. Just Very gnarly pale. looking man. Yeah. You know, kind of what makes him bad. He had a five month ban due to. He got a five month ban due to a substance in his system, and he was just performance big, enhanced defender. Yeah. Yeah. My number nine is Thomas Gravison. Might remember him from his Everton days in the Premier League. Or maybe when he went to Real Madrid. He was famously known for taking out his own players in training. Looking at Mm -hmm. you, Robinho. And just also kind of looked like a tough guy, man. I think he was Danish, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe so. Some Scandinavian country. Number eight. I got Diego Simeone. He was a very tenacious midfielder back in the day, and not much has changed from becoming a manager. Not at all. Very eccentric. I mean, he wears all black every match. All black. He's scary looking, man. He's intimidating, I will say. Have you seen his hair lately? It looks like he just got out of bed. He's like, I don't even care. I'm still going to fuck you. And his all black suits. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do love those suits. He stuck his finger in an electrical outlet. My number seven is a big striker, Duncan Ferguson, Everton man. He was a big man for Everton there, man, up front. Tough as nails. The only reason he's on my list is because of this story right here, where two burglars broke into his home. One escaped. The other was hospitalized for three days. Yep. Yeah. That's a scary but, guy. And if I'm, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't do the research on this, but is he the father of one Ferguson that plays for Brighton right now. Oh, I don't know. Actually, I do not know that. Okay, you keep going. I'll look it up. Okay, I'll move to my number six, who is a fucking karate master, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Not only is he one of the most gifted players with scary skill, but he was also known to getting a few bust-ups here and there. He had one with Joey Barton, you might remember. He had one with United where his head got stepped on and then he threw a fat elbow. He had some with LA where someone stepped on him, so he stomped on them back. I know there's a famous viral video between him and Eric Bailly at his Manchester days where Bailly kind of threw some fists up in his face and his last hand got serious and Bailly crumbled under pressure. I was like, I'm just joking, man. I'm just joking. <laughs> But yeah, pretty sure he has as many bust ups as goals. And he has a lot pretty of goals. Much. Yeah, and he's got a lot of goals. Uh go back. It's Barry Ferguson is his father. Uh former Celtic player. Not Duncan. Uh not Duncan. Oh. Not really. That would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been awesome. My number five is Zizu, Zinedine Zidane. Not only was he gifted with scary skill. But he was also known to lose his temper every once in a while. Looking at you, Marco Matarazzi. Famously known for that headbutt at the World Cup final. Caving in his chest. Yeah, dude, he did cave in his chest. My number four, honestly, this one might be my favorite player on my list. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. He is known for that quote, Gennaro Gattuso, Gennaro Gattuso, however you pronounce it, the Italian enforcer. He was the only player to go toe-to-toe with Zlatan, and he famously slapped him in the face. Yep. You also might recall a Champions League game where he went up, I believe it was a Spurs coach, 
and put his arm, his hands around his neck, choking him. Yep. He was a very tenacious defensive midfielder, tough as nails. I would have hated to have played against him. That's all I can say. <laughs> I'd hate to meet him in a dark alley now. Yes. Speaking my number three. <laughs> my number three is an X Men character, the Juggernaut, Vinny Jones. He was known as a hard man. The guy would literally grab you by the balls, by the balls. Give your balls a tug, but guy. He was sent off twelve times in his career, and yeah, any guy who does that to your balls. Get out of here. I hate... No. No. <laughs> My number two is Pepe. I mean, the guy has so many red cards for bad tackles. So many. So many. I'm, uh, I don't understand why he doesn't have criminal charges. Well, he once received a 10-match ban for assault on a player. Assault. Literally assault. assaulted a player. 10-match mm-hmm. ban. You've seen the videos of him out there stomping on players' heads, on their legs, wherever he can... Hit those studs. One, of, one of the dirtiest players of all time. Yes. But my number one, I think this is why he's my number one, because I would have hated to have played against him the most because he would go out to hurt you. And I hated those kinds of players. Roy Keane. Yeah. One Not uh, Roy famous Kent, character Roy that you've yeah, one famous player that you've quoted a bunch in this episode is actually based off of this man. Roy Kent is based off of Roy Keane. The guy would literally cut people in half with his tackles, man. He hurt loads of players, ending careers. And he was also nasty with the Irish national team coach, Mike McCarthy, saying he didn't rate him as a player and he doesn't rate him as a manager. And then he said, fuck your World Cup right after that, too. I remember. That was one of my favorite press conferences of all time. Wild. Completely wild. Great. And like I said, he would literally go out to hurt you. I mean, we we remember his bust ups with Patrick Vieira in the tunnel. Didn't even make it onto the field, and then it did it on the field too. Yeah, man, he he was a tough one. Uh, Yeah, Roy Keane's my number one. But those are my ten scariest players. Let me hear yours, buddy. All right, I'm gonna start number ten. A guy that is a counter to one of yours in Marco Materazzi. Oh man, this man is a phantom menace. He was the actual master of the dark arts of football. He was a threat everywhere. Set off four times in his one and only season in England with Everton. And he, I mean, he's the one who provoked Zinedine Zidane getting red carded himself for calling his sister a uh, whore. Definitely Voldemort, master of the dark arts. Yes. 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 Uh, Number nine is also one of yours. Zlatan, who is famously nicknamed the Balkan Demon, Ibrahimovic. Literally his nickname. Karate Uh, Master. I mean, he is famous for getting into altercations with players like Romelu Lukaku, Rafael Vandervaart while he was at Ajax, Tyrone Mings, Mito, Japstam, Marco Materazzi, Oguchi Onweyu. I mean, he knocked Materazzi out with a Taekwondo kick. Sending him to the hospital. Oh, wasn't it like to his chest or something? I do remember that. Yep. Yeah. It was those, yeah. the AC Milan inter days, I believe. Yes, it was. I do remember Number that. Eight, the vampire himself, 
Luis Suarez. How could I forget <laughs> Luis Suarez? He's known oh, for seeing his teeth into opponents. As I need well to change as my his, list. His attacking ability. The creature of the night. He's known for biting. I mean, he suspended seven games for biting Otman Bacal on the shoulder. Uh, playing for Liverpool, he was also suspended 10 games for Chelsea's Bratislav Ivanovic. And then in the and World Cup for Uruguay. <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't even punished. He got away I with forgot it. about Suarez. He was punished. Yeah. No, he got There's going to be a couple. Going to be a couple on this list, my friend. I forgot about Next Suarez. Up, Damn. You're going to have the same reaction. You ready? Nigel de Jong. The Flying Ooh. Dutchman. Javi Alonso in the World Cup Yes, in the 2010 World Cup Final, he would be remembered for one thing. And it was absolutely picking apart players. Just straight up Sparta kick, Javi Alonso. Flying karate kick against Javi Alonso, yeah. And apparently wasn't deemed a red card offense by Howard Webb. Now we know why PGMOL (laughs) is awful. He would later be dropped from the Dutch team, partially because of his extraordinarily bad disciplinary record. Weird. Another one not on your list. Sergio Ramos. Ooh. Yes. I don't Red know if card I Reaper. think him scary, but... He's known as no-nonsense defender. He I is. Mean, he was in a charity match recently where he had to pull out of a tackle because he realized it was a charity match, and he slid about 20 yards and then pulled out of the tackle. I mean, just ask Mo Salah. Huh. Remember when he, remember when he final, took yeah. him out for a calculated challenge? He's picked up more cards, albeit yellow or red, than any other player in the history of La Liga, the Champions League, or the Spanish national team. Fun fact. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Okay, number five. You probably don't really remember Stuart Pierce. His nickname is Psycho. Manager of Man City at one point. At one point. Former Nottingham Forest in England left back, nicknamed Psycho, uh, not because he loved the Oscar-nominated movie. Uh, He's crazy his, looking, too. He looks yeah, he ferocious, no-nonsense tackling style and intimidating presence on the field. The man was nuts. Nuts. Go look him up. Number four, Eric Cantona. Oh, I forgot about him. Yep. Yeah. On the night of January 25th, 1995, they were playing against Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park in the Premier League. He got a red card for kicking Palace defender Richard Shaw in the face. Uh, And then the situation went from bad to worse as he went into the stands. And uh, I do remember that. Yeah. Kicked some uh, apparently fans. later on identified as Matthew Simmons fan. Uh, he kung fu style kicked and punched the fan. Yeah, uh, he even called Michel Platini a bag of shit live on TV. <laughs> and then there's also his Ballon d'Or speeches that we won't even get into. So number three, Pepe, the Portuguese man of war. I'm not even gonna go into him because you already did it. But um, there is one, the one time you talked about where he got 10-game ban. Uh, it was when he puts his studs, stepped on a player's back, 
and then punched a defender, and then in the, in the ensuing melee. And then, yeah, because just because the pe- the ref gave the other team a penalty. So, for Hitafe. Number three, Gennaro Gattuso. I can't say enough about him, man. He was scary on the field. Even though I loved him, though, factor, man. I gotta say. I love him. I love him. Uh, I mean, not many players would take him on, but Zlatan did. Joe Jordan did. I mean, he had famous altercations with him. And then he even slapped Zlatan in the face and headbutted Joe Jordan. So, who's Scottish, by the way. Number two, you're number one, Roy Keane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He ended, I'm just going to say it because you didn't say it. He ended Erling Holland's dad's career. Did you know that? <laughs> I did, yeah. Yeah. Erling Holland that at was Old Trafford, 2001, literally cut him in half. Literally. And then number one, I don't think you gave him enough credit, man. Vinny Jones. This man is (laughs) terrifying on screen as he was on the pitch. This man was a part of the crazy gang of AFC Wimbledon in the late 80s. He knew every dirty trick in the book, including grabbing people by the balls. But that was his preferred method of torture. He did get kicked out of football for too much violent conduct. Wild. In the prime of his career. You know how much that takes? Wild. The only player I've ever seen have that happen to them. But what do you guys think? Yes. Who is the scariest player that you have ever seen? Let us know in the comments, guys. Make sure you're following us on the TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Check out our Redbubble. Get the merch. But what a week of football it was. City take the Manchester Derby. Madrid take El Clasico. Arsenal cruise a victory against Sheffield. Chelsea fall back to earth. And Liverpool are looking good. Can't wait to see what next, week's, what next week brings. On that note, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, cheers.